Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're planning a meeting, conference, or special event in Missoula, consider the Wingate by Wyndham. Our event space is comfortable and flexible. Whether you need an intimate boardroom meeting or a conference war 100, Missoula's Wingate is the perfect fit. Our audio-visual equipment, upgraded internet, and flexible food and beverage policies allow you to put on an impressive show without breaking the bank. Call us at Missoula's Wingate, where we make you feel at home when you're not. Coulter, it is time for the Montana Football Hour, presented by Lithia Ford of Missoula, and two huge wins, a huge, uh, obviously any win you get is a big one, especially as the season continues to get, we're just two weeks away from the end of this thing in the regular season, but huge also just on the scoreboard, I mean, just dominant wins from both schools, 40s to teens, anytime you get that sort of spread, it's a good thing. Montana State uh, kind of expected to do it, I guess, in a way, when you go to Northern Colorado. We talked last week about how sometimes Greeley can jump up and get you, and, and teams all of a sudden find themselves in a dogfight or even on the wrong side of a game, that they're really the better team and certainly should win. We wondered if that might happen to Montana State. Mm, no chance. They got, they got ahead early and ran all over Northern Colorado uh, on Saturday. The Grizzlies did not start well. In fact, started awfully with three first, ter- first quarter turnovers. Couldn't get a point on the board, which is not surprising. Uh, the defense able to hold uh, Idaho uh, to just 10 points off of those turnovers, but 10 nothing, and then... Here comes Dalton Sneed off the bench, ready to go, goes out there, plays a fantastic game, and the team really turned it around and ended up winning the turnover battle. It's not often you start down 0-3 in the turnovers and come out plus one at the end of the game, but that's what Montana did on their way to a uh, 42-17 win over their uh, number two rival, the Idaho Vandals. So uh, that, that's what happened over the weekend. When you look at the weekend, just kind of, again, from a broad view, what these wins mean to these two schools and how they how they came about, your thoughts or what? Well, Bobby Houck mentioned in the post-game press conference after the Montana game, he said these two schools have been playing football since 1903. They've played 85 times during uh, the history of the battle for the Little Brown Stein. And Bobby Hawk said, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a year where Montana has uh, beat Idaho as handily as they have the last two years. Right. 
Uh, no, and he's he's just kind of pointing out the fact that that was you know a dominant performance by them. Uh, Bobby Houck in the post game press conference, his opening comments kind of on how that game went and why he you know thought they were able to stay with it. This is what he had to say: Our defense held the rope for us. We uh, were struggling on offense. We, you know, with the three turnovers in the first quarter, we're lucky we weren't down twenty eight nothing or something. And uh, after we got that fixed, uh, you know, we played really well in all three phases. And, you know, it was, a, it was a great win for us. You know, this this game's been played 86 times, I believe, since the first time was in 1903. I don't know that Montana's beaten Idaho like we have the last two years ever. And that's a credit to our kids and our team and our assistant coaches because that Idaho team was ready to go. Uh, they're well coached. They're tough. Uh, they're physical, and, you know, if I'm the Idaho folks, I'm pretty proud of Mason Petrino because he single-handedly kept them in it today. I mean, they put him on his back, and he kept him in the game. And, uh, you know, it was just it was a nice defensive effort by them. You know, Luther Ellis and Mike Bresky and, those, and Vernon Smith and those guys on defense, they did a great job having them ready to play us, and they had us dialed up and... You know, I'm proud of our guys, too, because we weathered the storm and and, uh, and then obviously won going away. So I think they have a they have a game bunch, but I think we have a pretty good football team. Yeah, well, I would say so. I mean, it, they, Montana did win going away. And when he, you know, I think a lot of people might kind of raise their eyebrows at Bobby Houck's, you know, very, very direct and deliberate praise of Mason Petrino in in a game that they lost handily, and he was responsible for all four turnovers. That said, the responsibility is is not responsible in that he made a mistake every single time. In fact, I mean, he got two two fumbles. One was a strip sack from behind that he never saw coming. I mean, that's just a good play by the defensive end. Probably no quarterback's going to hold on to that thing. And the other one, he got hit by Jesse Sims. Probably a lot of people drop a football when uh, Jesse Sims gets into him. Sort of, but that's like his second career force fumble, so you can't actually say that. I understand. Just trying to. I, you don't play need to defend Mason Here, Petrino. Here's what I'd say: the one fumble by Mason Petrino on the Jesse Sims tackle, you got to protect the ball better. The second interception—that's his bad. It was an absolute overthrow. It also was over at that point. It's the 90 seconds left in the game. They're down 42-17. It's the final drive in a game that's over. And he did make some plays. They—he also lost Jeff Cotton, their number one wide receiver in the totally. second quarter. Andre Carter, uh, their number one running, running back, back, also goes down in this football game. Yep. And so that's where all of a sudden the onus lies on him. And I would say that two of the four turnovers, and and uh, and really only three turnovers, turnovers of quote-unquote consequence in terms of when they happen, were not on Mason Petrino. The, the one fumble was. Um, that said, he is a tough kid. He's faster than people think. He moves around better than people think. He's not a Division One quarterback from an athletic, throwing-the-football-stature standpoint, but he is tough. I mean, he's a tough kid who stood in there and, you know, fought you know, fought the fight all day long against a defense that wanted to get after everybody on Idaho, but certainly after him in particular. And I thought that he was fine. Like he, let's put it like this: Mason Petrino probably has played some games where he was pretty responsible for losing the football game. That was not the case on Saturday. Montana just overwhelmed Idaho across the board. Man, I, I could argue about this for with you forever because I think that if you have 
a physically unimpressive quarterback who has 15 turnovers and nine total touchdowns this season, that it doesn't matter how he performs in an individual game, your team is never going to perform at their highest level because they have no confidence in him. So therefore, his presence in the lineup loses you games. I think that's where we're at with Idaho. I think that the fact that him, Paul Petrino, I mean, I'm I'm probably being a little harsh here, but Paul Petrino and Mason Petrino spent the entire game when Mason and Petrino was not in the game screaming at each other on the sidelines. I don't think it's a coincidence that Idaho committed 14 penalties because of that. And five of them? Five on sportsmanlike penalties. They got guys thrown out of the game. I mean, yeah. as one of our colleagues said, they acted like petulant toddlers. Yeah. And that's the impression I got from their sideline. And attitude reflects leadership, and the tone was set from the very beginning. And here's the thing. You look at Idaho's jerseys and their colors and the arena that they play in and the town that the school resides in and all that, and you think, okay, also ran, whatever, it's nothing. It's a 10,000-person college town. It's a terrible arena. It's a wannabe former FBS athletic department that's in shambles. It's a, a poor coach, all this stuff. You can say all that stuff. At the end of the day, Idaho used to be so good. And so to, to reconcile yourself with the fact that this is what should be the status quo, it's just not the case. Idaho has had tremendous quarterbacks. It, it, it just Even in just my knowledge of cover of, of following the Big Sky Conference, let's call it 1980 on, I mean, you got the Kamea kid and Ken Hobart. You got you know, Doug Nussbier, John Freeze, Matt Linehan, Scott Linehan. I mean, they've had all-time great quarterbacks at this level of football, and and they just they don't have that now. So I don't want to blame it all on one kid or one family, but make no mistake, I think that Idaho is selling itself short. Idaho, what I saw compared to teams like Southern Utah and Idaho State and Northern Colorado is way better. They have way more talent. Yeah. They just have a couple factors holding them back, and it all stems from the guy that's in charge. That said... Bobby Houck, sometimes he says things like that, and it might be a little bit of a hyperbole, but it actually was a matter of fact. The the largest, the Montana won by 21 last year and 25 this year. So the combined margin of victory, well, victory was the highest in the rivalry since during the Big Sky era, since 1963. The last time Montana won so handily, the great stat here, courtesy of our producer, David Graff, 1992 to 1994, Montana won 47-29, 54-34, 45-21. So you have... Montana, basically, the 93-94 games, that was a combined margin of victory of 44 points, and Montana now a combined margin of victory last two years of 46 points. So actually, Bobby Huck was correct. In the in the Big Sky era, it is the most that they've beat the Idaho Vandals. And you can talk about, you know, Montana's surging and Idaho's declining and whatever you want to say, but at the end of the day, that's a school that Montana takes great pleasure in beating. I mean, Bobby Huck tweeted out a picture Saturday night of his Uncle Tom who's his father's brother. His father passed away a, couple, uh, a little while back, but Tom is kind of the matriarch of the Hauk family now. Patriarch, patriarch perhaps, excuse me. Yes. And Bobby and Tim, his brother, and then Ryan Tyrrell, their sister's son who plays for the Grizz, and Robbie Hauk, who's Bobby's son, plays for the Grizz. And Bobby just said, three generations of Hauks holding the little brown stein. It's a great day to be a Grizzly. Yeah. It means a lot to the family. They brought the trophy home. Yeah. So it's a huge win for Montana, even if Idaho is declining and, and whatever you want to say. Uh, but I thought that Montana did a great job in a, uh, several different ways. I mean, they did they played terrible football in the first quarter. Really bad. Turnovers. Idaho had a ton of momentum. And the number one factor that we've seen emerge for this Chris team is that they don't panic. They stick to the plan. If they have to tweak and alter the plan, it's not this catastrophic seismic shift. A lot of times it's just little things. Or a lot of times 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of teams when you have a hurt quarterback and then you have you pull the other guy, it, it, it can signal just a state of disarray, and that was never the case. Dalton Steed entered the game, promptly leads a quick scoring drive, and I thought Montana won going away. To touch on the Montana State game too, you asked for just broad thoughts. I thought Montana State <laughs> did exactly. I thought Montana State did exactly what they were supposed to do in Northern Colorado. Okay. I did ask for broad thoughts. That was a little while ago. But, yeah, no, that's good. We're, we're going to get into the Montana State-Northern Colorado game in, in, in more specifically in the next break. And they did do what they had to do. And they did it in uh, their their typical, atypical fashion, uh, the Cats, uh, but in a dominant fashion on Saturday once again. Uh, you mentioned uh, 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 the, the quarterback situation and Dalton Sneed coming into the game. And, look, Cam Humphrey comes out, throws an interception on his first pass attempt of the game, throws an interception on a woefully underthrown ball to what was a wide open Sammy Akem for a touchdown if it's on him, and it turns into an interception, which also ends yet another grizzly drive. And that ended the first quarter, basically. Idaho ultimately did score on that drive, uh, a touchdown, and is up 10 nothing. and in comes Dalton Sneed, number 11. You asked Coach Hauk, after the after the game, the post-game press conference, what was the thinking to start Cam Humphrey in the first place, and then why bring Snead in when he did? Well, uh, like I said last week, Dalton wanted to play a week ago, and we didn't feel like he was ready. Um, he didn't practice on uh, Tuesday, correct? Monday, Tuesday. So we just felt like it was Cam's game to start. Cam had, has played well, and and uh, we were very confident in him. Uh, but we did have a plan to play Dalton today. And he, he knew he was going to play today. So um, we talked about it during the week, if we would have a, you know, a diagnosed plan or if um, just go by feel. And, and Rosie and Brent really felt like I should just do it by feel and tell him when I want him to go. So felt like that was the right time. And I was proud of him for coming in and doing a nice job and then good good job by cam coming back and finishing it off Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the world wide web indeed I do, so I'm on my computer all the time and if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure am I right absolutely got to be cyber safe this day and age well for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick and mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state of the art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. You know, Doing it by feel is uh, one thing. It probably didn't have to wait too long to feel out that it wasn't going Cam Humphrey's way. I mean, he goes six for ten, but has two interceptions. 
no touchdowns, and and particularly the last throw that he made was 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 just poor. I mean, it was just really bad. And I don't know, you know, he had come in for two weeks and played really well, played uh, outstanding. I mean, he was next level in the Portland State game. And then you know, Idaho clearly had game plan for him on one level, but also he just didn't look good. Didn't 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 have it really ready to go. And I don't know if part of that is because he knew Dalton was coming in at some point or if there's if it's just some days are better than others. But it was a pretty obvious point if Dalton Seed was going to play that that's when you bring him in. The thing that I found very interesting out of this is that it, that it was in place that he was going to come in, according to what Bobby Houck said. And I think that that is... Uh, not something that I had thought. You know, I thought that this was a situation where uh, maybe, you know, he's well enough to play, but we don't want to play him, you know, if we don't have to. And then, okay, we, we're we in a tough spot. We got to do this. We got to see if he can go and if he can do it. By the way, Dalton Seed very much could do it. 17 of 27, 241 yards, had the one big touchdown on a on a broken covers that he said, Anybody in this room could have thrown that touchdown to uh, Samari Torrey. He's probably right about it. Uh, but nonetheless, was a big spark. I thought an emotional boost to this team and played really well and uh, and 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 got him going. He was also asked uh, in this uh, press conference what it was like to not be able to play for the last couple of weeks. Really makes you uh, appreciate the love for the game. You know when it when you can't go out there, but. Uh... I've got such great teammates and coaches around me that, that they're out there, hey, man, we're going to go do this together. And it's a whole team sport, whole team game. And like I said, I'm just happy to be out there. So, yeah, I mean, it do get a little, uh, what, perspective or something like that, sitting on the sideline and got the bum foot, bum ankle, and then uh, you go out there and get a play in that opportunity and make the most of it. And then he went out again, Coulter, and we, we have not heard – you know what exactly it was that he went down with it looked like it might have been just a really legit i mean he got hit kind of on the back and the side and maybe it was a you know a maybe it's a, a rib thing maybe a bruise rib or something like that or maybe just a really really bad like get the air knocked out of you type of deal they had the lead well enough in hand at that time they bring uh cam humphrey back in and then they just run the dog on football all over the place a couple other things 101 yards on the ground for the Grizzlies. Five, though, rushing touchdowns. Two, the first two ever for the career of Nick Osmo. And three for Marcus Knight, who was uh, not seeing a lot of playing time after he fumbled on the two-yard line. But he got back in and uh, paid off a number of drives. Touchdowns 15, 16, and 17 on the season for Marcus Knight in this football game. Marcus Knight is the best running back on this football team. But he has a propensity to put the ball on the ground, and you know that's just simply unacceptable to a Bobby Howe coaching staff and him him himself. Where are you at with Marcus Knight? What do you think about him as the as the lead back for this team, and what do you think about Nick Osmo as the relief? It's a really interesting question, actually, because I think that, first of all, Bobby Howe is not scared whatsoever that if you do not hang on to the football, especially in the red zone, he, he does not care if you are the best running back in the country. He will bench you. He benched Marcus Knight for the rest of the first half after he fumbled. Yes, he did. Straight up. Didn't play again. Knight came back in the second half, and they used him in the second half to sort of loosen Idaho's defense. I thought the two swing passes they threw to Knight on the first drive really helped loosen Idaho's defense a little bit. But then it was Osmo getting their carries between the tackles, and then they got Knight back in because they didn't want to wear out Osmo because Idaho is really physical in the front seven. But... Uh, <sighs> This game was so interesting because Montana turns the tables and they go on this 28 to nothing run. 
and they're up 28-10 after trailing 10-0. But then Idaho had their only good drive of the second half, and they cut it to 28-17, about 14 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And you're thinking, okay, it was a new life for Idaho. And Montana then closed the game in dominant fashion, and I thought that there was a lot of um, vitriol Mm. behind the way Montana closed the game. I thought that Montana, they didn't want to talk about this in the postgame. Cy Sermon got asked a question about it. Cy Sermon, Montana senior center, he was going blow for blow with number 55 on Idaho, and it got to the point where that number 55 on Idaho took two different swings at him and got, I mean, actually threw a punch and and got a personal foul, one of five or maybe even six personal fouls called on uh, on the Vandals on Saturday. Uh, Raymond Crawford is number 55's name. But, you know, I, I thought that Idaho's lack of discipline, I thought how much, I mean, I, I love verbal combat. I love trash talking. That Idaho was exceeding and egregious in the way that they talked trash. I thought they celebrated inconsequential plays to the point where they lost focus. I thought on one play that Trey Walker, Montana had, I know it was covering the, the slots with linebackers during a portion of the third quarter. And on one play, Trey Walker, who's an outstanding inside linebacker, was covering Jerry Lou McGee and Dalton Sneed just barely overthrew him. And Trey Walker just jawed at Jerry Lou McGee for walking back to the huddle for a good 25 yards. And it, it was just... It was just stupid. And then he gave up a pass right over the middle of the field on the very next play. To me, that's just such a lack of focus. But then when Nash Fouch got that interception, I thought that was a dirty hit. The way that they took him out at the knee. I mean, Control Haywood went for Nash Fouch's knee on the backside. I thought it was a, t- a horrendously dirty hit. Mm. And I thought that Montana would have been satisfied winning that game 35-17. And I thought that they actually went and got a four, uh, fifth rushing touchdown and went up 42-17 purely for an exclamation point, purely despite the Idaho Vandals. Here's the thing, is Idaho got up in this game early and was up for this game emotionally, and and, and, that, and they, they came to play. They wanted this football game. But when it went south on them and went sideways and it became clear that this wasn't going to go their way, they, they reacted the way you might expect them to react. There was no there was no recircling of the wagons. You know, when the first card falls, the whole house of card falls in, and it was it was both emotional and physical and football in in every possible way. I mean, it was just there was just no chance that they were going to be able to do you know anything after after they lost their mental sort of focus for what the football game was because look, I mean you're getting you're getting embarrassed. You're getting embarrassed in a in a rivalry game uh in uh, uh, against a team and still frankly at a level that you just think that you're better than. And I'm not saying that that anyone or you know all these people think this explicitly, you know what I mean? But I think there is still we talked to Mike Dugar on Friday. When he found out, this was, we were talking, you know, kind of off the record, but when he found out that Montana was at that time a 17, later became a 19-point favorite in this game, he was stunned. He's like, he, he just started laughing. He couldn't believe that Idaho would be a three-score dog to any team at the, quote, FCS level. Now, people who follow the Grizz follow Idaho. It's not a surprise at all. And guess what? Montana covered. Uh, but that is... That is sort of, I still think, a little bit of the the carryover, the hangover of having been in the FBS and now not being anymore. Last thing I want to touch on in this game, Coulter, is not about this game, but it's about the, the day on Saturday. 
I was stunned, stunned at how few people were at this football game. I mean, there was 4,000 empty seats, something like that. You told me that this this was the second lowest attended game in terms of announced attendance uh, in in five years. I actually only went back four, oh, four years. years. So since okay. 2015. So I just basically looked at the, the three Bob Stitt seasons and Bobby Houck. Now, let's be, let's be very clear. I think that there were regular a, season games. There were a well. couple of games. There were a couple of games during towards the end of Bob Stitt's tenure where the announced attendance attendance, which is always a lie, was a laughable lie. Where it was, sure. you know, okay, fine, you sold two thousand seats to boosters, four of them, you know, or you know, corporations or whatever. These, the, there was, there were certainly games at which less people actually have been there. But when you're talking about what was the number six team in the nation, now number five team in the nation. One loss in the Big Sky Conference, rolling and going against what has been a traditional rival for the first time in 16 years. I, I, I absolutely expected Washington Grizzly to be full and to be loud, and it was neither by Washington Grizzly Sayers. It certainly wasn't full. It got loud at times, but I... I don't. I don't have an explanation. I mean, you can talk to me about hunting season. You can talk to me about whatever you want to talk to me the about. The weather was nice too. Though. Beautiful day. Perfect for November. It doesn't get better. Does not it, get better. Montana's number six in the country coming in that game. So I, I. I don't know. I'm still really blindsided by this. I had no. I. I don't have a full explanation. Now I've been talking to some people who are like, listen. You know how much it costs to go to a game in 2005. Do you know how much it costs to go to a game in 2019? A lot. And so, you know, it's still Montana. It's still a working, uh, you know, class state and, and that. And so whether people have been priced out at some level or whatever, I, I don't know. But I I really, I was absolutely amazed when I walked into the, into the stadium and looked around at how few people, how, how many empty seats were there. I mean, look, plenty of programs that you put 22,000 people in there and you feel really, really good about it. Uh, but in this particular game, I was really surprised at it, really. Student section has been pretty full at the beginning of games and just cavernous uh, during the second half of games. I don't know, man. I think there's a lot of people that jumped off the bandwagon and I think probably are regretting it. I think if this trend lingers into next year, when people have a full offseason, it's clear that Montana is on the way back. You asked me in the post game, is Montana a national elite team? They're not yet. But I do think that they have the potential to be again. And that's the first time I would have said that in... A, a, a little while, and I know some people around town that canceled their season tickets mm-hmm. the last couple of years that I I know regret it, and so maybe those guys and those folks will come back. Who knows? But it's a it's a trend around the country, and it's definitely one worth analyzing. But I don't think anybody has a definitive answer. Montana State dominated Northern Colorado 45-14. They ran for the third most yards in program history. Uh, Northern Colorado not good. But Montana State still doing what they were supposed to do, handling their business easily for a second straight week. We'll talk about this game. You'll hear from Jeff Choate and Troy Anderson right after this. It's the Montana Football Hour presented by Lithia Ford. Hey, I want to tell you about the Silver Slipper. The Silver Slipper, it's all about great food, tasty beverages, and their urge to have a good time. Whether you're looking for an affordable family meal or a late-night game of poker, the Silver Slipper has what you're looking for. Right now, Silver Slipper is your football headquarters with a free shuttle to every home Grizz game, 56 television visions to watch sports on, drink specials every day, a full liquor store, Tarantino's Pizzeria, and the friendliest staff in town. Silver Slipper has all you need to watch your favorite games. Visit the SilverSlipperLounge.com for more info and stop by today to see why the Silver Slipper is one of Montana's best kept secrets across the street from Super Walmart on Brooks. 
You know, guests, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula Hotel that truly offers something for everybody. No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport, easy for when your friends come to visit you. And you know, of course, my favorite, water slides. That's right. they got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. With the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere. Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. They got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that. They got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their guests. The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call. Very simple, easily memorizable number, 541-8000. That's 541-8000. The best hotel at the best spot for a hotel near the airport. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home, even when you're not. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. Good afternoon, Ryan Tutel, Colton Nuanas. Here's some sports news for you. The playoff picture is becoming more clear in the Treasure State and around the Big Sky Conference after the Grizzlies and Bobcats each won in convincing fashion. Montana used yet another second-half surge and a spark provided by the return of quarterback Dalton Sneed to dispatch of rival Idaho in the battle for the Little Brown Stein. Montana State piled up the third-most rushing yards in program history in a decimation of Northern Colorado in Greeley. The Grizz moved to 8-2 this season by beating Idaho for the second straight year, this time 42 217. That win, combined with last season's 46-27 victory, gives UM the largest two-year margin in the 85-game series that dates back to 1903. The host Grizz turned the ball over three times in the first half, falling behind 10-0, but head coach Bobby Houck inserted Sneed under center in place of Cam Humphrey, who started the last two weeks with Sneed out with an injury. Sneed sparked Montana on a 42-7 run to end the game. In Greeley, Montana State gashed Northern Colorado on the ground, rushing for 451 yards, the third most in school history on their way to a 45-14 win. Logan Jones finished with a game-high 122 yards and a touchdown as 11 different Bobcats registered rushes. Even middle linebacker Callahan O'Reilly got in the mix, taking a fake punt 73 yards for a score. The Bobcats are now 7-3 this season with a matchup at UC Davis coming up. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Aspen Sound. Montana Football Hour. It is presented by Lithia Ford of Missoula and it is Sutel Nuanas along with you. Thanks for being with us. ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris Studios. Kurtz Polaris at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula. December 7th, their 7th annual snow day. Get in there. One day sale, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Biggest sale of the year. One day only December 7th at Kurtz Polaris. Coulter, Montana State. Hammered Northern Colorado 45-14, as you just heard in the read, 451 yards on the ground. And are you ready? Not one, not two, but three defensive players scored touchdowns in offensive situations. It's not like pick six touchdowns. These are offensive plays that the uh, that the defense goes ahead and scores on. They could pretty much do whatever they want, uh, wanted to in this game. But, again, Northern Colorado, they're not a good football team. This is what... Montana State was supposed to do. But what you're supposed to do and doing it are two different things. They did it. You can say Northern Colorado's bad. They are. And you can say that it doesn't take 
schematic adjustments and and things like that. You you don't need to out strategize them. You just need to go and do it. That's true to a certain extent, but. You know, rushing for 250 yards in a game is a dominant effort. Rushing for 300 yards is an uh, excellent, excellent effort. They rushed for 451 yards. It's incredible. This is the yes. third most in, in program history. And, again, you can say they're beating up on a bad team, but what Lane Sumner said in the postgame, Montessi, one of their many running backs, he said, we knew that they couldn't really run it up the middle, or that, that Monroe Colorado was pretty good in the middle of their defense. That's true. Luke Nelson's one of the better inside linebackers in the league. Uh, you know, the Gonzalez kids want better D tackles in the league. So they do have some talent up the middle of their defense. And so Montana State figured we got to soften the edges and then we can get some gash plays. And that's what they did. They used an array of playmakers to, uh, I should say, array of athletes, because I don't know if you can call these guys playmakers yet. Montana State's really using their whole roster. Everything with the Cats is a double edged sword, right? On one hand, you can say, man, these guys use so many of their dudes. How impressive. On the other hand, you're like, well, is that necessary? Is the, I mean, why don't you just give the ball to all your best dudes? They they are sometimes so creative. They're sometimes so simplistic. It, it, it's so. I think that the number one issue facing the Cats is when they're the underdog against a definitively better team, they play well. When they are the absolute favorite and they're playing a downtrodden team like Southern Utah or Northern Colorado, they destroy them. And when they're playing like opponents or it's a big conference game, they put themselves in this box, and their creativity goes away. So I just don't understand why they don't do this kind of stuff all the time. But I guess that's probably what they're trying to figure out, too. But at the end of the day, here they are. They're 9-3 and in November games under Jeff Choate. They're 2-0 and in November games this season. They're 7-3 and and on the brink of a playoff spot. You can only play who's on your schedule. The last two weeks have been cupcakes for Montana State. They still won both games in absolutely convincing fashion, and they set themselves up for where we thought they would be going into this portion of their schedule. Troy Anderson had a rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown to a defensive lineman uh, because, of course, he did. That's what he does. And he had this to say, uh, particularly about his touchdown, his Tebow-like jump pass to defensive lineman Jason Scrimpos. Yeah, I know. Scrimpos, we've had it. We've had it uh, marinating for a while. And so, yeah, I mean, it was wide open. I just had to almost threw it out the back of the end zone, but luckily I didn't, and he came down with it. What did you think of his celebration? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure Coach Cho is not too happy about that. I just kind of, you know, go with the flow. Just kind of go with the flow. That's it. Imagine yeah. if Troy Anderson was mean. <laughs> I mean, he'd be playing at Utah, not Montana State. No doubt. Uh, this is what Jeff Choate had to say about Troy coming in and kind of the Troy wrinkle. When Troy goes in the game, it's no mystery as to what's going to happen, I think, by and large. And so um, oftentimes uh, those those guys that are responsible for the tight ends are going to, you know, get their eyes in the backfield, and that's going to open up an opportunity. And Scrimpos is not a small small target. So uh, we kind of owed him one. We missed one in, uh, in the SEMO game early in the year. So, uh, But I didn't know his plan on the celebration, and I wouldn't have called it. So. I mean, so what? He just spikes the ball. He does the Rob Gronkowski spike and gets flagged. And Jeff Choate, of course, gets very upset with that for doing it. First of all, why? Why is this a penalty? I mean, it's just it's, it's just it's a waste. So, of, it's a waste of time so to talk stupid. about it. I mean, it's a waste of time to talk about it. Spiking a football. I mean, leave him alone. I mean, my goodness, the entire football team in the NFL is taking pictures in the end zone after any, you know, sack or whatever, which is also somewhat tiresome to me at this point. Here's here's where most fans and people that love sports go awry when they're complaining about officiating. They complain under the lens that 
officials are biased, that they're trying to screw over my team that I'm rooting for, that someone's getting homered. In reality, 95% of poor officiating is not biased. It's just bad. Like in the Montana-Idaho game, those guys didn't spot the ball correctly until the third quarter. Seriously. They did not spot, they spot the ball, they would, once every 10 plays, they spotted the ball wrong. How? How? I they, don't spo- know. they spotted the ball wrong twice in the first quarter. I made a note of this just so I could talk about it on the show. They spotted the ball twice in the first quarter, a yard behind where a guy ran out of bounds. There's no, there's no more definitive thing than when you see the guy's foot hit the sideline at the 35 and you spot it on the 36. How? It's I amazing. don't know. It's amazing. Anyways, back to this Montana State Northern Colorado effort. After the Jason Scrimpos touchdown, you're saying, okay, the Cats are pulling out all the trick plays again. Here we go. And then Montana State gets so cute that they decide they're going to run. Uh, first of all, they give up a big punt return. Then they had a muffed punt snap. Then they decided they were going to punt with Tucker Rovig on a quick kick play. They resulted in a two-yard punt. And then they still get a stop. And they get the ball back after that whole calamity of errors. And then they try to run a screen pass, and the ball gets tipped at the line of scrimmage right into a defender's hands. Pick six. Touchdown, Northern Colorado. And they're sitting here thinking, all right, this game is 10 minutes old. You already have two egregious special teams errors. You already have had your starting linebacker throw a touchdown to your starting defensive tackle. You've already used your quarterback to punt the ball, and he's already thrown a pick six. Maybe Is Montana State just going to screw this thing up? And then they just straight went ground and pound and ran for 400 yards and, and closed the game out. This is my question for you. Is Montana State's offense innovative or gimmicky? I think it all has to do with the confidence of their coaching staff in the opponent that they play. I think that every coach around the league would tell you that Montana State's the single hardest team in the league to prepare for. Is that a good or a bad thing? That's the question. Well, it's a good thing in that. I mean, that is a good thing. There's no, there's no question if that's defensive coordinators bad stay up later at night and do more work to prepare for Montana State than any other team in the league. Right. Does that mean they are the best offense in the league? No, but they just have the hardest one to prepare for. Okay, that's that's fine, but and that's and that is a good thing. Okay, if you're hard to prepare for, that's what you want. That's what you want to be able to do. But my question is, there. I mean, look, I don't know. I don't know enough about this stuff to say, but Matt Nagy, right there in Chicago, yep. one of the worst offenses. They're bottom five in the league in basically every single category. He's supposed to be this offensive guru with yep. the big quarterback that they draft number two overall and everything yep, else. Yep. And basically the scuttle is, look, he came in, he had some stuff. Nobody would really seen it before. They do pretty well with it. But then it's mostly, quote, gimmicky, a.k.a. once you figure it out, you've kind of solved the riddle. Now, Montana State, like you said, they got their 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 quarterbacks punting the ball, their linebackers throwing the ball, their defensive ends are catching the ball, and it's all well and good if it works. But also when it doesn't work, you just look like, well, what is it that you're actually doing when you have a great offensive line, an excellent stable of running backs? Why do you overcomplicate it with all this other stuff? And on one hand. If it's complicated insofar as it's unique and it's new and people won't be able to be ready for it or it's innovative or it's hard to prepare for and it works, then that's great. Also, if you're not doing the thing that is just guaranteed to get you four yards, why? Why don't you just do that? And 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 they do do that too. Like it's not it's not an either or type of deal, but 
I mean, the first play of the game two weeks ago, four guys lined up in a line under the center. Okay? Now, it's That's certainly unique. Football, it, it's certainly different. And, and by the way, that first play of the game, I think, netted them uh, 12 yards in a first down. So, great. Good for you. But also, I think that there's times where you you do overcomplicate yourselves and you don't just stick with the thing that you do well because running quote-unquote running the football is there's there's a million ways to run a football okay and if you want to do it in a way that's 11 different players are running the football so that you can mess with the minds of the defense and the defensive coordinators and all that okay but also, if you got two great running backs and an awesome offensive line, do you need to do all that? Is that all strictly speaking necessary? I don't know the answer. I don't. I don't think that they have. I don't think they have any great players on offense. I think they have a whole bunch of pretty good players. I think you have to use it in synchronicity to get it done. Isaiah Fonte is a great player. He hasn't played this year, mm-hmm. so so he, that's irrelevant. Logan Jones has almost seven hundred yards rushing this year. He's got three different hundred yard games. Logan Jones is like a 50-yard per game running back, but you can get him a 55-yard run every game if you got the defense's head spinning by running all the jet sweep motions and stuff like that. When you give Kevin Castles the ball on a reverse, when you give Tyrell Marshall the ball on a jet sweep, now Logan Jones can gash you for that 50-yard run. Now Lane Sumner can get that 50-yard run. I think if you're going to run just power and counter, Logan Jones and Shane, and Shane Perry and Lane Sumner can't do that. They they just they could do it every once in a while, but they can't do it like Josh Davis at Weber State. So I do think you have to scheme it up a little bit. I do think Montana State makes it a little bit too complicated at times. I would also just like to see them run the the complicated, innovative, and creative stuff they have against a really good team. I want to see it this weekend. Yeah, because running it against Southern Utah when you're already up four scores is one thing. Can you do it on the road against a previously ranked UC Davis team? We'll see. Uh, one more quickly for you from Jeff Chody was asked, uh, was getting three defensive players a touchdown the plan coming into this game? I think we do a good job of using our, our, our entire roster to, to benefit us, and certainly Troy's a big, big piece of that. And, uh, but uh, Callahan on the on the fake punt, that was uh, you know it was designed to get a first down, not a touchdown. And I did call him out on his speed earlier in the week, and I think that uh, he wanted to show uh, he had a little bit more than I might think he did. So great job by him executing there. And Callahan O'Reilly's touchdown, 73 yards on a, on a fake punt, and then we talked about the Scrimco's touchdown from Troy Anderson. And then, of course, Troy Anderson, he's not truly a defensive player scoring. He's an everything player scoring, and you actually expect that, of course, out of Troy Anderson. Nonetheless, 45-14, Montana State on the road next week at UC Davis uh, in, a, in a massive, massive game for them. They're at seven wins in a 12-game season. Probably got to get to eight to get to the postseason they can get this one and uh, i think it takes a little bit of pressure off what will certainly be the highest pressure game uh in a in uh in a week and a half well what is it 12 days to uh the cat Grizz football game Sutel tell 1029 espn radio it is the montana football hour it is presented by lithia ford of missoula Lithia Ford right now, 0% for 72 months on the 2019 Ford F-150. The Ford F-150 makes tough tasks look easy, whether it's working on the job or heading out on a weekend of recreation. Check out the all-new Ranger as well, tested under more extreme conditions than you will likely ever encounter. Set a date for your next adventure. The Ranger is ready to get you there. Lithia Ford, across from Super Walmart on Brooks, has a huge inventory of new and used cars and trucks. Visit LithiaFordMissoula.com for more information. Search new and used inventory, financing specials, and get yourself in a Lithia Ford today. Lithia Ford is an official sponsor of the Montana Grizzlies and Tutel Nuana's Montana Football Hour.
Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do, so I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber-secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. The Montana Football Hour presented by Lithia Ford Missoula rolls on. And Coulter, uh, the move... To bring in Dalton Sneed uh, off the bench and uh, uh, and play him in place of Cam Humphrey. Look, if he's available to play, that's obviously the place to do it. You've turned the ball over now three times. Two of those were inter- interceptions, one of which was, was pretty egregious by Cam Humphrey. That said, the, the idea that Dalton Sneed was available but not starting... It sort of had a weird look to it, and I, I guess I buy the explanation that Bobby Hout gave, gave after the game, which was effectively Dalton C was going to play in this game at some point. We had already set it up that way. He wasn't. He didn't practice on Monday or Tuesday, so he didn't have the full install. Cam had it, so we wanted to start with Cam. Cam ended up <coughs> playing well. Let me ask you this, though. If Cam Humphrey comes in and plays really well in that game and has two touchdowns instead of two interceptions and it's 14-3, does Dalton Sneed play in the game on Saturday? I think the most essential part about playing quarterback at the college level, especially in rivalry games, is confidence. I think it has almost nothing to do with your operation. Your confidence is going to impact your operation. Right. But to me, Cam Humphrey looked skittish against Eastern Washington, and then he kind of settled in. He looked absolutely confident and lights out against Portland State. He was never scared, even though Montana was losing at halftime in that game. Cam Humphrey was throwing the ball down the field. He was making his reads. Even if the stats—I mean, he was 21 of 29 for 200-something yards against Eastern Washington— but he looked, would you agree that he looked a little bit, I mean, he was just kind of getting the ball out too quick. He was throwing it really hard. He he, he looked he looked terrible. I mean, he, against I mean obviously. Against Eastern, though, I'm talking. Well, he, oh, no, no. Against Eastern, he, he was a little okay, he was a little he skittish, though, right? was his first game. You could, set, you could sense that. Yes, yes, yes. And then against Portland State, he looked very confident, right? Very settled in. And then this week, you could just tell he looked... Skittish is the wrong word. He just looked kind of scared. I, you know, I don't know if. I think maybe w- he looked scared. I don't think he even looked scared to me. He just looked. He just looked bad. I mean, against Ma- against Eastern Washington, they knew they were going to run that three tight end set, and then he could lean on his run game. Against Portland State, they obviously found something in the defense where they just attacked it and they just mm-hmm. threw bombs over the top, and that's what Humphrey's so good at. Against Idaho, there was something that was crossed up because th- th- he was making just straight-up bad reads. And he had done a good job taking care of the ball, and then he didn't. But and so I, to me, I guess, I think that you, you had to go with Snead, even if he's not 100%, because you just can't let Humphrey melt down. Because Idaho's their whole formula is to intimidate you. Here's the thing. Cam Humphrey went 6 of 10. Okay, that's fine. 50 yards. Okay, that's fine. 
he just had full, half of his incompletions were interceptions, and and the last one wasn't a read. It wasn't anything. It was a straight up, completely underthrow, like an awful, awful ball. And that to me isn't about even even something like confidence or whatever. It's just like it wasn't. Maybe it's overthinking it or whatever, trying to place the ball. But I mean, he, he got Sammy Akem by college football standards running free. I mean, there were guys. There was this. There's a guy above and below Sammy Akem, but they weren't within ten yards. Well, he let the football go, and it, and Sammy Kim had to come to a complete stop just to try and make a play on a thing, and ultimately couldn't, and it, and it got picked off. And at that point, you go, what's going on here? You know, I remember uh, Coulter against Idaho State, what, three years ago, was it, that Chad Chalich came in and had seven touchdowns in that game? And you go... Whoa, whoa, should Chalich be the quarterback instead of Brady Gustafson? I mean, how great is this kid? And he just, I mean, he tore the Bengals up. The highest uh, number of touchdowns ever thrown by the Montana Grizzly in a single Seven. game. The next week, though, if I'm not mistaken, it was a, a they zero lost, or a one touchdown performance They lost by at him. Northern Colorado for the first time in program history. Yes, and just sitting there going, well, how great is this kid? Where did Chad Challenge come from? Why hasn't he been going this whole time? And then the next week you find out, oh, okay. And not that he's a, not a good quarterback or whatever, but you're going to have inconsistency, especially with a guy who hasn't played a ton. And I think you saw that initially. And the the, uh, the fortunate thing for Montana is that they had Dalton Sneed waiting in the wings. I just don't know the idea that he was going to come in for sure at some point. I don't buy that all the way. Because if you're ahead by 30, you just don't play Dalton Sneed when he's still recovering and all of that. I agree. You play him if you need him because you can, and I do by that. Obviously, they did. Uh, whether he was prepared to play, certainly appeared to be prepared to play. So um, that that is where I, I accept most of the answer, but I am selling some of the, the explanation there because I think if the game scenario works its way out where you're just rolling – then, then Snead isn't going to play. My last question for you on this before we wrap up the Montana football hour. Dalton Snead came in, got a little tweak on the ankle. It looked like on one particular run was pretty slow to get up, and then ultimately did get knocked out of the game, but not with a foot thing. Looked like kind of a middle, you know, mid body thing, which I don't think is going to be a, a, an ongoing issue. But I think I just got to give my two cents just on that yeah. element. Yeah. It's go time now. I think that the mitigating of the recovery and the return of Dalton Sneed is over. Totally. I, this, I think I think that Dalton Sneed is playing unless he's dead. 100%. And, <laughs> I, and, I think and, that he has two guaranteed games left in his career. He's playing. And this is what I'm this is but this is what I want to ask you. Does him playing on Saturday can he he was certainly going to play against Weber State. Going to start against Weber State. Okay, we get all that. But will he be better or worse for it having played on Saturday? It's a good question. I mean, I thought that there was a hit somewhere towards the middle to end of the third quarter where it looked like his ankle got tweaked again. And I, there's so much stuff that's just speculative. I don't really know. I mean, we, we've heard that he might have had surgery, the same surgery that Tua Tonga-Vailoa had, which is the new high ankle sprain surgery. They basically put like a tightrope in your ankle slash upper leg muscle. It helps you heal well, quicker. The bone, yeah. But it, but if you, if you get hit on a surgically repaired wound... It doesn't matter if it re-damages the structure. We don't know just in general. We don't know any of that. That's why I'm talking about the confidence of a quarterback. I think that Dalton Sneed's brain is fine. 
And I think yeah. that's why you have to go with him because I think that Cam Humphrey is good. I think when Cam Humphrey has a full nine months of offseason to establish a leadership role and all that, it's all good. But don't see it as your lone offensive yes. captain. Like yes. he is your guy. Your team, the t- everybody else on the team is going to sell out for that guy. They love that guy. And so I think that just his presence, you just you got to just roll with him down here down the stretch. I think that him playing physically was not not good for him. <coughs> Excuse me, because if he retweaked the ankle or whatever. But I do think. <coughs> Excuse me. You know this happens to me all the time. You and Bobby Houck. Bobby Houck had to, Bobby Houck started his opening statement on Saturday after the game, and he said, "Time out. Somebody's got to go get me some water. I can't do this. We're on TV. I like I, I guys. You have to just bear with me for a minute. Somebody go get me some water." And then they went and got up some water. So you're not alone. Yeah, I had to restart the press conference. We can restart the show. But what I was going to say is, I think it's good for him mentally to have played rather than entering sure. the Weber State without any live action in three weeks. Whether it's good for him physically, I guess we'll find out. It is the Montana Football Hour. It is presented by Lithia Ford of Missoula. Thanks for bearing with me on the last 60 seconds of it, which obviously went very well. Hour one in the books. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Mike Dugar of The Athletic going to join us. The Seattle Seahawks Monday Night Football coming up at the top of the hour. We will have it for you right here on ESPN Radio in one of the games of the year, frankly, in the NFL, the Seahawks versus the 49ers. He's going to join us to break down this game right after this. Hey, at the Silver Slipper, it's all about great food, tasty beverages, and their urge to have a good time. Whether you're looking for an affordable family meal or a late night game of poker, the Silver Slipper has what you're looking for. Right now, Silver Slipper is your football headquarters. A free shuttle to every home Grizz game, 56 televisions to watch sports on, drink specials every day, full liquor store, Tarantino's Pizzeria, and the friendliest staff in town. Silver Slipper has all you need to watch your favorite games. Visit thesilverslipperlounge.com for more info. Stop by today and see why the Silver Slipper is one of Montana's best-kept secrets across the street from Super Walmart on Brooks. Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, we have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz Athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.